Welcome to the Writer's Right Podcast, the show where every writer has the right to speak their mind. I'm your host, Joshua Howe, and as always, we'll be giving attention to the last thing my guest has written and the writing process. Today's guest is a filmmaker. He's a driving force behind all that's creative at PressBasketball.com, and he's a fellow critic at SceneCreek.com. It's Andrew Hamilton. How are you doing, man? Hey, Josh. I'm doing great. And yourself, man? I'm doing really good. Um, I got to see... Solo a Star Wars story in theaters last weekend. Um, and I'm sure you got to see my review about it as well. And I absolutely did. Uh, I went through your review, really liked it. Um, everyone who's listening to this can go check it out right now on uh, SceneCreek.com. It's really good, very deft. Um, the, so, basically, this is the, what, second of the spin-off movies. Second one, man. Yeah, so we just had Last Jedi... And now we are five months ago. About only yeah, about five months five. ago. It's crazy. Like I mean, I obviously I wasn't alive when like in the seventies when Star Wars, the first Star Wars came out and all that stuff. But like I know like um, people like my parents uh, like talk about how crazy it is now having like Star Wars like in less than a year away. Like yeah, less than a year apart of each other, we're getting more Star Wars movies. Um, I know it's I, it's like it's very much like a like the uh, superhero market kind of. Well, if you think about it, both of the driving forces are Disney behind that, right? And Disney, even if we look back to uh, our childhood favorite animated like movies, like they did have a tendency to year after year put out these straight to VHS like second part, third parts, just to continue cashing in on the movies, right? Mm-hmm. They've always been this juggernaut, and I obviously now you know Marvel and Star Wars. They're getting the Disney treatment, right? Yeah, it's it's um, it's cool. Uh, it's changing movies a bit in a, in a certain way, like franchise, universe building, um, which is fascinating to watch as just like a film lover. Um, yes. Uh, but like, I think for the most part, I like it. But there's definitely some like cons to it as well. Um, you feel so, fatigued a bit? Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I. I feel it maybe a tad with the superhero films with a little bit. Like, I, I really like MCU films. There's been a lot of good ones that have come out recently. I completely agree with you, man. The, yeah, last, the last batch has been very, very, very strong. They've been really great. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Black Panther. I love Black Panther. I, I, loved, I, I love Black Panther, and I, you know what? I, I've been thinking about this a lot because I just watched them, like, literally one after another. Yeah. Um, Black Panther and uh, Avengers, like, Infinity War. While, like, I love Infinity Wars, and it's, like, so, so, so entertaining. Like, Infinity Wars is probably the more entertaining film. Yeah. Black Panther is still the better film because, yeah. like, I'm, I'm still blown away with, like, just the depth in that film. I... I, yeah. I, I, I'm, it blows me away. It blows me away how artful that fa- film actually ends up being. It's beautiful. Yeah, well, it's funny because, like, I mean, Infinity War is, like, basically, it's a movie that's pretty much uh, an entire third act, whereas yes. <laughs> Black Panther is um, more of a traditional film that explores its themes more deftly and stuff. And that's why, like, a lot of people are saying Thanos is the best MCU villain. I, I totally think that's fine if you think that. I, I still kind of lean towards Killmonger. Actually. I agree with you, man. I, I think I agree with you as well. I love I love Thanos, but uh, Killmonger was uh, something else, man. 
something else. It wasn't a superhero movie. <laughs> that's how. That's I guess that's how you put it. It yeah. didn't feel like a superhero movie. It felt like something else. It felt like something more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so Solo. Uh, yeah, Last Jedi. We were talking a little of this just really briefly before we started this about like um, that's a very divisive Star Wars movie. Um, obviously, uh, it tried to do a lot of different things um, from Star Wars past. Um, some people really enjoyed it. A lot of people didn't. Um, are we going to brave the onslaught and and uh, and say where we stand on the movie? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm fine with that. I'm a, I'm a fan of Last Jedi. I wrote a little bit of a thing on it when it came out, um, basically talking about like how change is okay and change is good and allowing directors to kind of do their own thing is all right. And um, th- I, I don't think it's like a perfect movie. Like there's stuff in there I, I'm not uh, over, overly fond of, but I, I think it's... I think it's a really good. I think the parts that work in that movie work really well. Work so well. And I'm yeah. And I mean, I'm also the kind of person that, um, as as a big fan of, like, I'm always like paying attention to the writing and things like that because that's my favorite part of uh, filmmaking. Um, that the the progression of um, characters, especially like Luke Skywalker in that film, I really enjoyed because it makes sense to me. It, it- makes sense. It makes so much sense, especially with the universe that like we're clearly presented with when we come into like the Force Awakens and like this, you know, this new ushering, this new trilogy. This this Luke Skywalker like Luke Skywalker makes complete sense. It, I I I agree with you on every single point. I am not a big fan of every single thing that was done um, in terms of direction for that film, but as a whole. When you when you analyze all the pieces, especially when you look at it on a script level, that film is phenomenal, man. It's absolutely phenomenal, and they they have really. We're gonna get. I, I'm gonna bring this up later on when we get into solo, but I really think that the the questions that they kind of ask in uh, Last Jedi have really helped open up Star Wars. Like, I mean, rewatching the original trilogy is going to be different um, when you take in some of these ideas that they've kind of presented, including Solo. Solo, to me, when I was watching it, I took some of the ideas from Last Jedi and it was, I, it kind of made me really appreciate the film even more, if anything. Okay, see, that's interesting. I, I want to get into it on that, too, because, so for me, this is how I'm looking at it. I've, I've, uh, I've really enjoyed the episodes a lot. Um, when the episodes are coming out, I, I get really excited. Um, I was, like, I think I was, like, moderately excited for Rogue One. Um, I am much less high on that movie than a lot of people. Um, I think it's even a, Oh, really? Even after watching it? Yeah. Uh, I've seen it a few times. Um, I, I liked it better than Solo. Um, I do like it still better than Solo, but I... I'm not a huge fan of it because I think the film is fatally flawed in, in what it's trying to do. And I know some people don't feel that way, but for me, it just it just didn't work to the point that I know that they were trying to get it to do to um, to get to that point. And it just didn't for me. But I, I still like there's a lot again. There's a lot to like in that movie. I mean, it has arguably the best Vader scene ever. Yep. Um, which is just awesome. The, the movie literally turns into a horror film for like. Yeah. Four minutes. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. My son was beside me and he was he had seen all of the movies up to that and that was the first time he was like, Man, Daddy, Darth Vader's scary. <laughs> and I was just like, Yeah, man, that that was like that was something else. Yeah. It, it yeah. left you it left you with chills. Yeah. Sometimes I just look up that seat on YouTube because I just want to see something really awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, um so yeah, I I, I, feel, I find myself having some parallels between Rogue One and Solo 
a bit because um, now getting into Solo a little bit, these are both movies that are so they're the spinoffs, but they're they take place. Uh, you know, in between the margins, they yeah, right they, in the. It's essentially a. You can almost argue that in a way they are episodes themselves. Like you know what I mean. Sure. Like, but yeah, the story they're they're fill-ins, right? They yeah. just expand on the story. They're I feel like they're the new. I feel like they're the answer to the expanded universe. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. I, I feel that. So like they're they're like fill in the blank movies. Um, so, but that's the kind of thing. So, like, it's funny though. Like, even in plot, uh, Solo and um, uh, Rogue One are kind of like similar. Like, you have basically like uh, a heist movie with um, uh, a sassy droid, and uh, you know, it, it it all ends up and the ragtag crew that yeah. like all comes together. And... Yeah. Uh, I I feel like the biggest problem, like, so my biggest problem. We'll, we'll do it's like po- some positives and negatives, but like, I just with both of these movies. The the biggest issue for me in terms of like I, I guess really trying to find a certain level of enjoyment is that they are uh, they're already like you know you know exactly what's gonna happen you know the outcome um, it it neutralizes a lot of the stakes because you knew about these stories before they were made they're just kind of made to fill in those gaps so that you can actually see them I mean like in Rogue One we knew that obviously the Death Star plans get to Princess Leia yep um. But, like, we didn't see it, but we knew it. So the whole time that movie was going on, yeah, uh, we kind of knew that I, it wasn't shocking to me that everybody died because you never hear about those people again. You know what? I, dude, I have to completely agree with you. And, like, I think that's, I think that's one of the issues. And funny thing, writer's podcast. And I think that's one of the problems with the writing of the films. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when he, that fatal flaw in terms of, uh, in terms of the storytelling for these for these pieces, these expanded universe pieces. Um, it, yeah, you're right. You know what's going to happen. And the writers don't necessarily use that in a way that's intelligent. They actually just use it as like for jokes yeah. more or less. Right. Yeah. And, and I find that that's the, that's, that's a problem. Um, especially when you look back, like, cause I, I think my, my biggest problem aside from some of the acting in solo was, the plot, man, like, I mean, or, uh, well, the script in general, the plot was, oh, was great. It just trucked along, but like, it gave us really nothing else other than like, here's how Solo met Chewbacca and like, here's how Solo met like Lando. Like, yeah. it's like the checklist of like how Solo met this person. Right. And it's, I mean, by the end of it, you're just like, whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, so that's, that's my biggest like problem with Solo is similar to Rogue One. Uh, like this movie doesn't really justify its existence. Uh, it, it, to me, it doesn't add anything to Solo as a character that we didn't already know. Um, I feel the it exact, doesn't. I feel the exact same about him now as I did before I went to see the movie. And I'm not sure that's a good thing. Um, you're right. You're, you're a hundred percent right. The film is called Solo. It's yeah. called Solo. Mm-hmm. It should be... I, I get it. It's a Star Wars movie. It has to be fun. But in some level, give us a character study here. <laughs> Dive into this guy a bit more than like the checklist of how he met all the people we know and love in the Star Wars universe. It, it's not, it's, it, you're right. It isn't enough. It is not enough at all. It's enough for a good time, obviously, and it's enough to just get people in seats for a minute. But, like, yeah, in the grand scheme of, like, really telling a story it and spending all this money to make this movie, it doesn't justify its existence. Yeah, and it's like, it's, it's uh, like a, 
if it wasn't Han Solo and it was just some kind of space adventure movie, um, I think then it's fine. It's like a B-rated space adventure movie, kind of, in my mind. Like, if, you're, if you don't slap the name Han Solo on it and it's not necessarily in the Star Wars universe, that's kind of how I see it. But the movie is so obsessed with all these little things that are on the margins that if you've never seen a Star Wars movie and you go to watch Han Solo, there's, a, there's so much that's going to be absolutely meaningless to you that the movie really focuses on. Well, arguably even confusing it sometimes. You know, one of the big things everyone's talking about right now is, uh, and it's, it's, it's strange to me. Well, I'll, let me take a step back. The thing that everybody is arguing about right now is, uh, or confused about is uh, Darth Vader's, or sorry, Darth Maul's mm-hmm. um, appearance. Sorry, we're no longer spoiler free. Oh, no, appearance, this, is, this is heavy spoilers. Yeah, yeah <laughs> appearance at the end of the film. Right. Like uh, everybody was extremely confused about that. Um, Luckily enough, my son dived into the show and my friend's also a huge fan of it. So I did know that like Darth Maul does come back in uh, Clone Wars and also continues into Rebels. Right. That like he's alive. And but a lot of people got really confused after that. And they were wondering. And it it comes like right at the end of the movie, too. Right. So it's kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa where am I right now? <laughs> right. Like yeah. I thought it was, I thought this was in between like, uh, Phantom Menace and a new, uh, Oh, sorry. Um, uh, return of the Jedi or revenge of the Sith and a new hope. Now all of a sudden I feel like I'm before Phantom Menace. Like what's happening here. It confused people. Right. And, and you know what? I, I'm not knocking the film for doing that. I'm not knocking it for doing that. Cause I, I personally was kind of thankful, especially after hearing a lot of the arguments from people who didn't like The Last Jedi, saying that, like, you know, a lot of the old canon stuff is being thrown to the fire. Well, this is kind of just proving that it's not. You know what I mean? Like, they clearly still very much care about all of that. And, like, all the people who are involved in this stuff right now are all people who have grown up with that material as well. So, obviously, there's a place in their hearts for it as well, right? Uh, For instance, even... um, even Kira's fighting style is actually like the name of a video game, like Masters of Tars Karar or something like that, right? Like it's like it's a video game from back in the day, man. A Star Wars video game. These guys are these guys are trying to show some fan love now. But again, like I kind of feel like things are just thrown in like as Easter eggs or as jokes. Nothing really is like properly built into characters. They're very face value, they're very flat. Um in a way, I feel like it almost takes a like. I feel like Solo takes a step back to stuff like like from like like the original trilogy, not the original trilogy. Sorry, the like episodes one, two, and three, which were also very basic in a way, right? They had this kind of uh, this person meets this person, and this person goes here, and this is how this happened, and it's not like it all is just kind of a checklist of like these are all the things you need to know. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with like all that stuff. I mean, it's funny the Darth Maul reveal um, was the one moment in the movie that I was surprised, legitimately surprised, because um, I don't. I watch, was too. It yeah, was nice. <laughs> I, I don't watch the animated films, um, but I, I learned about all that stuff afterwards, and uh, I, I thought it was I was so funny. I mean, I was reading about it, and the first thing that's like that talks about Maul uh, right after he falls down, you know, to the planet's core or whatever, when Obi Wan cuts him in half. And it says that he he survives on his pure hatred of Obi Wan Kenobi. Of Obi Wan, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, wow, that is that is some intense hatred. Um, <laughs> oh man, that's but it, it's funny because it is really like Anakin also survived, like yeah. And remember, like yeah. dude, the guy 
the guy cut him up and he was there he's like last words he heard him say was i hate you and yeah. walked away from him right so yeah that hatred from obi-wan is a uh, some powerful stuff man yeah obi-wan really needs to he's doing the opposite he's like uh, that's what usually what the villains do is walk away before the hero gets away um just leaving them I, in the death trap obi-wan's doing it with the villains man he he's, he's doing it but obviously it's like you know he leaves them and they come back and uh it, I mean, eventually Darth Maul, like he does die in the in those shows. He dies before, yeah. um, like he actually ends up dying, I believe, on Tatooine. Actually, yeah, Obi Wan kills him. Yeah. yeah, so it's like you know, and I, the, the scene's actually a really good scene. If you guys, if anybody, I think you can YouTube it and stuff like that. Like it's really, really well done. Um, uh, Darth Maul's last words literally are like in hopes that the chosen one will avenge him. The chosen one being Luke Skywalker. Oh, sorry, not Luke. Actually, Anakin still. But like he knows he's protecting the chosen one, right? Um, it's it's good stuff. But um, yeah, I I I that's like one of the things I personally like ended up like loving about the storytelling about the film. I just love that they kind of did go back to some of this stuff and like give some fan love because like. I mean, like, I love The Last Jedi, but at the same time, when you hear some of the arguments for some of the people that, like, have, like, loved Star Wars for, like, a love time, for a long time, I can understand how they're kind of like, hey, guys, like, I get it that you guys are trying to do a lot of new and different stuff, but, like, like this feels so new and different that, like, I don't even know what I'm watching anymore, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's one of those things with The um, Last Jedi is you either are okay with all the fresh new takes uh, or you're not. And I think a lot of people are assuming that J.J. Uh, Abrams is going to go back to more of like a Force Awakens kind of thing to close out that trilogy um, and to make it more, if you want to call it, like, safe. Um, that, you know, he's going to... Like, there are some people who still think that he's going to twist the Ray doesn't have parents thing to, no, she actually does, and they are important. Because those are things that to like the, a lot of the Star Wars fans that you're kind of talking about, like those are important things because those are, those are tropes of the original Star Wars story. They are. You know? Family, lineage, it's, it is all part, it is, it is a part of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so like, you know, her, her not having, I mean, you know, either way, it, it's okay. I mean, she could have, you know, ex-parents and it could be really cool or whatever. Or if she doesn't, it's fine too because then it gives you the message of, you know, you don't need to have special parents to be special kind of thing. Um, so I can see it either way. It, it's, I understand it. Um, but there's, there is some stuff they should play with. Like, and this is actually leading back into solo. And I brought this up earlier that like last Jedi kind of does open up some ideas and the, that are kind of very interesting when you rewatch a lot of this stuff. Um, and one of the big ideas is like the idea of corruption and not necessarily being like just some, something that's on the side of bad, but obviously something that's on the side of good. Right. Them just talking about like the, that infamous casino scene. Like I hate that casino scene as well, but that or that casino planet scene, but yeah. scenes, scenes, multiple, they hurt me, but it did bring <laughs> some really good ideas to like the forefront. And it's the fact that like, Hey, like, you know, when we were watching episodes one, two, and three, like here we see this like Senator Palpatine going up in power, but like, how is this guy, how is this guy getting so, so, so far ahead when like when clearly everything around him is like is against the very things that he's trying to do no that when you really take into the ideas that 
Last Jedi has brought into everything, it actually does make sense because some of those powerful people on Coruscant that might have been working or like part of the Republic, like who would have loved it, would have also been making money off of the bad side of everything that's been going on, those making money with the Sith. And I find that that's very interesting. And that was also present in solo <laughs> when I was watching it. It made me actually start thinking about a lot more, right? I saw a lot more depth in the Star Wars universe thanks to some of these ideas, right? And I, I mean, it's all, it's all the movies like starting to really kind of like connect themselves in a little bit of a different way. They tried to do more in Last Jedi and I, think that little bit of ideology is actually like something we should appreciate and look look at all of these other films under that same microscope right of like corruption good and evil right it's actually it's good it's it's it, it adds a deeper layer to everything yeah and i think the 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 depth i mean look better movies have more depth it's just the way they are um because that gives yep. you more to talk about when you watch them again. It gives you more to look at. The original Star Wars movies are uh, fantastic, um, but the like basic premise of them is uh, the good versus evil type story. You know, there, there's a lot. There's a lot to love about those movies, but they don't um, necessarily d- dig extremely deep into uh, anything that goes past their initial themes of good versus evil, which is a very surface level type. Uh, a theme whereas yep. you know and that's fine that's okay like that's great to build um like an original trilogy off of stuff like that but look we are like what the original star wars movie came out in 1977 it's 2018 like at some point you got to add more you um, have to add more you yeah. have to expand the universe and the ideologies yeah i mean if you want to watch the same thing over and over just watch the original movies again that is my number one argument i say to Everybody out there who keeps getting so upset that everything's changing so more. If you don't, if that's the case, just watch the originals, man. Like, just just keep it to that, dude. Like, that's that's as simple as it is. I, hey, they remake some, they remake movies all the time, and sometimes it's just like you don't end up watching the remake. I mean, like for instance, I love the new Jumanji that came out, but like at, at the end of the day, for me, like I, there's still a part of me that just loves the original jumanji and i if a filmmaker in me actually sometimes says that hey no man the new one's like better dude but like i still i still end up turning to the old jumanji to watch it because it's just like for me it's like this is it and i just don't understand how other people can't sort of do the same thing with the star wars universe man yeah yeah, and like, and that's fine. And like, part of it's nostalgia too, right? Like, part of the like the reason we have this Han Solo movie is like largely based on nostalgia. Um, I mean, like, so it's interesting because uh, Harrison Ford played both uh, Solo and Indiana Jones. But like, I look at this movie as like it's like a blown up version of uh, that sequence at the beginning of the Last Crusade um, when you have young Indy uh, River Phoenix and he's going through that sequence of, like, on the train cars with, like, the circus animals. Yes. And yes. Every, in that short, short span, you learn all these attributes about Indiana Jones, where they all come from, his fear of snakes, his love of the whip, all of that stuff. It comes from this short span. And realistically, that doesn't make any sense. Like, come on, are a person's all these defining features are coming from a guy's 15 minutes spend of his life. <laughs> Like, oh my god, with 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 some bandits, yeah. I, I, oh my god, dude, you're a hundred percent right on that. Yeah, you so, hit the nail on the head. Yeah, like like so, and this is what Solo is. It's that movie, but a whole movie, not fifteen minutes. 
You're right. It's it's this is what solo is, and like I I I just don't know if we if we needed that. Um, and so here's the interesting part: is like yeah, in Indiana Jones, that's also ridiculous. It's much shorter, but it's um, a bit with Spielberg. It doesn't feel the same. So, like, all, this, is, this is branching into my thing about Lord and Miller and Ron Howard. They're very different kinds of filmmakers. I yep. feel like the script and the story for Solo lent way more towards, like, a comedic style, um, a lighter tone, um, a, a sort of a wink at the camera to be like, you know, this is, this is all this stuff about Solo and how he got there. And it's, it's, yeah, it is a little silly, but that's okay. I mean, it's supposed to be kind of a light, breezy kind of film. Um, but Ron Howard coming in, because I think Star Wars, uh, Disney got a little gun shy. Um, Ron Howard, though, is a very, he's not that kind of director. He's very, he uh, he's very honest, you know? I, his, his, um, his stories, like, I mean, even go back to the last Ron Howard film that came out before this, the big one was, uh, Rush, right? Yeah. And, uh, like, <laughs> Rush, it, it's kind of funny, like, we're sitting here and we're telling, we're, we're saying that one of the main problems with the story here, with the script, is obviously character growth, character development, because, like, I mean, like, it's more of, like, just the, how did this guy get all of his iconic stuff, um, and not how did this guy actually become the man he is right mm-hmm. uh the, the ron howard can 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 develop characters strongly he's yeah he's created television shows doing it mm-hmm. he's done it on film multiple times right i know it's easier on tv so that's why i just doubled back to film he he has done it multiple times on film and rush is a perfect example he just did it it's not even like he's like you know he's over the hill or something like that no ron howard is still the shit and just I know we've I know we've said a couple a lot of things that might even sound like a little negative in regards to the film. Just a heads up, people! I gave it a three point five <laughs> out of five. Um, I because on a technical level, on a technical level, man, like when it comes down to the actual cinematography of this film, the sound design of this film, and even just how everything like the edit, the pacing, it, 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 it's the those are the best. They're what make the film actually like enjoyable at the end of the day because unfortunately for me it definitely wasn't the acting and obviously like you guys have all heard right now for either of us it wasn't the script right um this film just really worked well on a technical level and that's what allowed it to still be a really good fun popcorn movie right like at least for that for the two hours right yeah i think it's like it's i think it's a good movie to go and like you said like a popcorn movie you can go it's got a lot of fun action sequences it definitely doesn't the pace doesn't drop at any um, at any point. It's it's like you said you said in your article that it's very well paced. Um, I think it is. I think it is well paced for what it wants to do. Uh, I do think it like because of the, all these things it wants to get through that it rushes a little bit or sometimes and sometimes that might just be the fault of the script where it, it makes it seem that way. Like for example, when Han first sees uh, Kira at the party. Um, after three years of being apart and yes. their, their interaction is, Oh, Hey, you're here. It's not, Holy crap. I've been looking for you for three years. Let's go. Like my whole life has been about like getting back to you for the last like three years. Like yeah. that's, yeah, I agree with you. And, man. That was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And so, and like, and then for me, the, and it's one of these things I know this can't just be this way, but for me, the, like the Han Solo I know, and obviously this is a little different, but I, he would have been like, Oh, I found you. Okay. We're leaving. Um, and you know, that's obviously not the way it kind of, uh, went out, but also like even Kira's reaction. Um, Amelia Clark, who I think is a fine actress, um, she uh, 
you know, her reaction too was like, oh, you're here. This is cool. Nice to see you. Um, there's moments like that that I think like it just uh, affected. It wasn't actually the necessarily the pacing, but it felt like they were skipping through things to get to the next thing. Um, well, that actually goes into the acting, man. But I, I, I personally like one of the one of the worst parts of this film mm-hmm. were was the acting, man. And like that's <laughs> this is what made me feel like I was watching episodes one, two, and three. Because okay. damn it. If that acting wasn't atrocious in episodes one, two, and three, I like that's that's the school of bad acting right there. Now, I don't know if this is Ron Howard because obviously, like you know, when you really actually do the math, Ron Howard potentially George Lucas could have been having conversations with Ron Howard about Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, when he was making it, like, I mean, A New Hope, Star Wars, man, like, because these guys knew each other back then. They knew each other back then. Mm-hmm. So Ron Howard Ron Howard does have a connection to that specifically. And I kind of feel that almost, I almost feel that like, yeah, he was in a way trying to like, he was trying to nod back to like those films. Like, cause like I, I'm really scratching my head over, over the acting. Cause it's just way, it's, it's cheesy at times. Like yeah. it's, you know, like some of the blockings, like man, Josh, right from the get go, you know, you know, when, when, Han actually goes and we first meet Kira yeah. in those in those tubes. Mm-hmm. Man, I some of the blo- the blocking of the kids who are like you know fighting over over uh, the food. Just they're trying to show that everyone's broken everything. But the blocking of these kids who are like trying to fight over this food and they move perfectly out of the way so Han Solo could come through afterwards is like some of the worst some of the worst stage direction I've ever seen in my life. And it just, it hurts. And it makes me scratch my head as to like, why Ron Howard? Why? Like, what was going on here? I I just, I can't understand. And Paul Bettany, I did an interview with him, which kind of like, Yeah, I saw that. You can also read that on Scene Creek. Well, unfortunately, and God damn it, Paul, if you ever hear this, I wasn't happy with his performance in the movie at all. No, (laughs) no. Dryden... Dryden Voss, it has to be. He was charismatic as hell, yeah. but God damn it, isn't he, if he isn't one of the worst Star Wars <laughs> villains I've ever met in my life. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, here's my thing with that. Like, I, I literally, I saw Paul Bettany, um, who I was, I didn't realize it was in the movie. I went to this movie pretty blind. And, and I, you know, I saw him and I was like, oh, Vision's here, cool. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, you know, after after about two minutes of his dialogue, I was like, "Okay, cool. He's I'm the bad guy. I'm here to be bad because reasons. Like that's all. That's it. He's just he's just there because he serves the plot. He isn't he isn't really anything. He's just like an entity. He isn't really a character. He um, isn't. You're right. He isn't. Yeah. So you know, like yeah, stuff like that. Like understand. It did feel to me too, like a little bit like at um, not with everyone at times. I actually thought Aaron Reich was okay um, for what he was trying to do. Um, I didn't think he. I didn't feel like. I just, what I really didn't want him to do was try to be Harrison Ford, and I don't think he did like was trying to do that too much. I did think he was trying to put his own little like this is before Solo got super jaded. Um, yes, you know I, I do think he was trying to do that. So I, I um, respect that. I, he um, was my favorite part of the movie. Um, aside from L three, I actually did like L three as well. I thought I thought actually both motion capture uh, uh, characters were, <laughs> were yeah, the yeah. best characters. So I, I want to talk about that because. Uh, like I've heard some different things about L three, and I have uh, like I think I have like kind of an unpopular opinion. But like you said in your piece that you liked L three, right? 
I like L3 a lot, and I know that some people hate L3. Yeah. Do you, how did you feel? Um, so I didn't, I didn't hate uh, L3. I, I felt like um, – I thought uh, – oh, what's her name? Phoebe, um, the voice actress who voices her. She, uh, she, I, no, I, 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 I can't remember. Um, hang on. I have, your, I have it in your article. It's listed here somewhere while well, I find it. But um, I thought she was – like the voice acting was really well done. I thought she was doing exactly what they wanted her to do. Um, I just felt like – it felt very Rogue One-ish to me in that this is her one trait and that's it. And that's all yeah. we're going to know. Um, and, and, like, I get it. I like – I really like the fact that they're finally, like, directly touching on basically, like, racism with how the droids aren't – like, you know, they're kicked out of places. Like, back in the original Star Wars, they mentioned how we don't serve your kind here in the cantina. Um all that kind of stuff. They're finally like directly addressing it saying like, you know, they're basically like all these aliens are racist to droids. Um, and I like that it's finally like, you know, she's kind of like pumping her fist for the, for the droids and stuff. It's just, it's just after a little bit, I can see how it, it becomes a little grating because it seems like that's all she is. And you know what? And when you put it like that, yeah, yeah, you know, you're, you're hundred percent right. I, you know, I think one of the things though, like, and that's this is why like I I feel like this is why also like I actually really did um, enjoy uh, Alden's performance um, because like dude these guys uh, these guys took this very basic like they they didn't have a lot to work with here in the script right in regards to like good acting right because they they really are just pieces here in a plot that's really all they are right yeah. but they they're their their acting and by the way it was a uh, phoebe waller bridge yes that's, phoebe Waller-Bridge. that's what it is that's right um their their acting and like for for instance phoebe's voice acting it brought out something like it literally brought out that you know that genesis qua like in the character and mm-hmm. for something so for a film that is so empty on character development it was refreshing it was great to hear to hear that much charisma coming from you know like Mm -hmm. from a character and i guess especially with it being voice acting they have to do a little bit more because you know they're they're not moving they're not like it's it is all coming from it is all coming from their voice that's all that they can really give yeah like here's like this is a thing is like i didn't dislike that character because i felt like there was more i just wanted that you know i wanted more of it like her relationship with lando might come across as a little strange, but of course, uh, we don't know all the things they've been through, really. We and don't. I and I actually like that was something I I kind of agree with you right there, man. When I heard that conversation, that was something that I actually kind of I liked. I actually liked that kind of conversation because, like, to be honest, like, and I don't. Sorry if this sounds weird, guys, but I've also wondered, especially when you see what happens in the Star Wars universe, like. Do like droids get it on with people sometimes? Like, <laughs> like you know, like does yeah. like that happen? Like, come on, man! Like, like they get it on with some crusty aliens. So, like, some pretty weird looking <laughs> aliens. So, I uh, man, like the droids, I wouldn't put it that far out there, right? Yeah. I, I like that. I thought that was interesting, but yeah, you're right. They didn't do anything with it. It was a joke. It was again, they just used it as a joke, and that was it. That was it. Yeah, like. Again, yeah. I mean, I just, I just kind of wish, yeah. I kind of wish there'd been more. You're right. There's, it's, it's joke. There's a lot of jokey things here that I just feel like we're just so much more like 
meant to be like basically a Lord Miller directed thing. Like the whole like Lando has a cape room in the Millennium Falcon. Like, I mean, like that's a funny little bit, I guess, but like it just seems like a very like a Lord Miller type joke, not really a like Ron Howard type thing, you know? Um, I agree. And and it, yeah, it was ahead. like funny, but it was it was funny. It was it, it, I guess in a way it made sense to the character, but like I mean, yeah, I think there's other things about Lando Calrissian that we would love to find out. Yeah, as opposed to the fact that he has a cape closet in the Millennium Falcon, like. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the the most interesting thing we really learned about Lando, and like this sucks, like because like to be completely honest, he was Lando was one of the main reasons. Like, and I'm not talking about it like in regards to seeing Donald Glover. Like Donald Glover is awesome and everything. Mm-hmm. I've been a huge fan of him of Childish Gambino from like mm-hmm. from Camp, like from the Camp album. Like I used to just bump that all the time. Um, nerd nerd black guy right here. A nerdy black guy <laughs> hearing another nerdy black guy rap. I was like, oh my God, this is <laughs> the greatest thing ever, right? So, but like he, he, he was, I was excited to hear Lando's story. Lando, Lando. And I, I got nothing from that. I got like, I, I, I almost feel robbed when it comes to Lando Calrissian in Solo. I'm, I think a part of me is trying to forget that he was in that movie because he, I didn't feel like he was there. I didn't, I feel like the only reason why he was there is just to show, to show those, that game of Sabacc and (laughs) watch this guy lose the ship. Right. Yeah. Eventually. Right. He's, he's there just like everything else in this movie, which is to serve the purpose of this is a little bit of Solo's story, but this is basically just how he got X or how he was there. Actually, Um, I would like to go back to your reference, Josh, the one you use for last crusade for last crusade. Yeah. All right. Lando is essentially he's the equivalent to the bandit that gives Indy the hat at the end that he's chasing. He's he's the equivalent to that guy. Yeah. He's as he's as empty as that guy in the movie. I, I swear to you that is the equivalent. Yeah. That's That's it. I mean, that makes sense. It's basically like it's, and it just feeds into the other part. Like, so like, and like, and you mentioned this in your article too. And I, I fully agree with this. Like star Wars always has in terms of sound design and sound mixing and just score, um, it's some of the best stuff ever. Like their music is just always, almost always great. Um, and you know, they use it well in this movie too. And the music's good, but like those moments where, you know, uh, of course Lando had to get hurt so that he couldn't pilot the ship so that Han could take it over. And, you know, he sits in the cockpit of the Falcon and that's cool. And then, you know, Chewie finally uh, becomes his co-pilot and that's also cool. But in, right in that moment, the music amps up so much um, which is, and it's great music and makes me feel good, but I realize that it's, it's really pushing this saying, here's Han, here's the moment, here it is, you wanted to see this, and it's just shoving it in your face, and it's like, okay, like, I would have got that, you know, necessarily without the huge blasting moment. It just felt like, it felt like this movie a lot of the time was trying to make me feel things for Han that if they had just uh, done a little more showing than telling would have worked better. I think they, I, I think they just, uh, they should never have. This suffered from the Hollywood problem right now, and my Hollywood, my thing, the thing I call the Hollywood problem is, it's called the package movie deal, right? Mm-hmm. So this, this was, this was definitely presented as like, as a heist movie, 
we want to do Han Solo, yes. Yes. but we're going to do it as a heist movie. And like, and then here we are. You're you're selling because you're selling this thing to these executives, right? And you're going to go and walk away, and you're going to have to write this script and come back and show it to them, right? And you know what they're going to try to make? They're going to try to make a heist movie as opposed to like sitting back, like actually sitting back and like making just the movie that Solo needed to be. Right, writing an actual story and seeing where it takes it, like you know the the actual way to write something, not this like forced packaged goods deal, right? Because essentially, when you just kind of create this heist movie that's that has solo included, then yeah, then you have something that's just this plot driven, like like because. Let's not forget, like, this is still Star Wars. Like, we have to kind of keep in mind, like, the kids as well. So, yeah, you're going to get something that's, like, just all plot. Or, like, all plot, just trucking along at this, like, fast pace while just showing us, like, hey, this is how Solo did all of these things, right? Now, this is Solo. This is the Star Wars movie. It's the heist movie. It's everything we have sold to these executives. And they can go and they can put it out. This is like this is what's wrong with Hollywood right now, though, man. Like it's like it's not even just Star Wars; it's Hollywood. Like I, I'm part of me as a filmmaker, as like a, as a film lover, enjoyer. I man, I I I pray for those heydays of the of like late '90s, early 2000 when like indie cinema really kind of like took a stranglehold on everything, and like because man, we got. It was like a time when we, it was a time, it was the last time that like these package movie deals weren't being thrown at us all the time. And now that's really all we get, unfortunately. It's sad. Yeah, I hear I hear what you're saying. And you know what it reminds me of? This is kind of random, but um, have you seen Robert Altman's The Player? Yes. Yeah, and there's that, there's the scenes where uh, it just is uh, slowly panning to like the outside of, um, uh, some big wigs office and they're just like pitching films yep and they're and they're basically just saying exactly what you're talking about is like yeah it's this but it's not really because it's also these things because that's how they have to pitch it and it's basically just like a little sequence of this guy this big wig just sending people away because it's not it's not exactly what he wants which is what he wants is something that already exists and, and it's just the dismissal of creative freedom um and it's, yeah, a, it's, it's 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 damaging. It's damn. It is, man. And uh, to be honest, I, I I I don't know. Like when, for instance, when I'm creating, when I'm trying to make something, like I I try to really do away with all of that stuff because, like, I kind of realize that, like, hey, this is like you you can't be you can't be writing. I feel like when you do that, you're creating in a downwards in a downwards motion, if that makes any sense. I don't, I think you're creating down, like you're not, you're not kind of like actually creating, you're just like, you're just using your creative creativity to work towards somebody who is, I mean, unfortunately, like these executives don't work on the same creative level as a lot of these guys. Mm -hmm. So they end up working like down to them. And that's what I kind of mean. Like they work down to their level, right? That's why they have to sit there and say that like, Hey, this is a heist movie, but like it's solo. And you know, like it's it, dude, it sucks, man. Like it, I, I, I hope, I hope that things kind of change like a little bit more because it's going to like, it will stop movies like Black Panther going back to that. It'll stop movies like Black Panther being yeah. made. And we'll just get, you know, like the generic 
superhero origin movies that we've gotten since Spider-Man 1. And I mean yeah. Sony Pictures Spider-Man 1, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. it's, it's frustrating. It's one of those things, like, to me, with um, Hollywood and, and just film going and all this stuff is uh, there are a lot of people who do legitimately have fatigue from all these things, like we're talking about. But th- then they, they're uh, having these public outcries about, we want original film, we want... You know, X. We want more independent movies. We want we want more stuff like Get Out. We want things like that. Well, you know, except for things, some things like Get Out. Some of these movies come out, and then nobody goes to see them. Nobody supports them. And nobody like, does. Yeah, and like you know what? Like um, even and this is still like a movie that had a large budget and things. But uh, I don't know if you saw this, but pretty recently, um, one of my last really good movie going experiences was I went to see Annihilation. I loved Annihilation. Yeah, so did I. I thought it was fantastic. It was yeah. a movie that it didn't need to push the fact that basically the whole cast is women. It just was. It was a fantastic movie. It had a lot of great ideas. It was big sci-fi, um, good popcorn movie, but it had a lot to think about. A and, lot. And it didn't do well at the box office. And I was like, where are you people that want something different? People, it's like, I man, for an, I remember, have you ever seen The Descent, Josh? Yeah. It's a horror yeah. movie. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so this is gonna sum this up perfectly. Okay, I when when I was a lot lot younger, when The Descent first came out, I was in my it was I was in my rented out basement apartment. I remember this so clearly. And my friends were coming over that night, and they wanted to watch. They wanted to go out and watch a movie, right? And at this time, I had just fallen into like indie movies, like hard. Like I was just I it was all I wanted to watch really, and um, when they said they wanted to go watch a movie, I checked the theaters. I didn't really see anything out, and then I started just looking for like you know like I just started looking on the indie forums just to see uh, what kind of stuff had released in Canada as of recently that I might be able to like to try to convince them to see. I saw the Descent on that list, and I watched the trailer, and I read about it, and I was like, holy shit. Like, we got to watch this movie. My friends came over, and my friends are all, like, my friends love watching movies. They are active moviegoers. So I'm definitely not going to take that away from them. They're huge movie fans. Some of, like, I, I, I've sat and watched the Halloween series with them multiple times over one summer. Like, these guys watch the watch movies, like, all the time. <laughs> and to an unhealthy amount like I would. But here they are. They come over, and I tell them, hey, guys, like, there's this movie, The Descent. Show them the trailer, and they don't know any of the people in it. They huh. don't know the director. Huh. So they're sitting there like, why are we going to watch this? <laughs> right? Yeah. And they, do, like, they, they don't, like, they were, uh-huh. they were, aggra- they did not want to watch it. I had yeah. to sit there for like 10, 15 minutes, Josh, to convince them to watch the movie. Wow. Dude, we went to go and watch the movie, and halfway through the movie, my friend literally turned to me, and he's like, Dude, we fucked up. This is like the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> like he was he was terrified, yeah. terrified. And we walked out of the movie, and they loved it. Mm-hmm. But dude, I had to sit there for fifteen minutes, Josh, like aggressively pushing to go and watch the movie. Like that. It, it, this is this is this is why the, uh, this is the problem. You know, this is the problem. That is the problem. People don't know. People don't know a lot of these people, these actors. They don't have any familiarity with a part of the movie. And that pushes people away. 
Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, that's a lot of that's what a lot of people look at, um, especially when they're in, um, and like I know you said uh, your friends watch a lot of movies, but like um, people who aren't necessarily super active moviegoers, like they need something to latch on to. Um, before they go otherwise they just they don't know enough they don't understand like i mean there are people that will go to see han solo and they probably won't know at what point in the star wars timeline this movie takes place because there were people that went to see rogue one thinking it was the next episode and it wasn't and they were very confused coming out um people who aren't in you know actively paying attention to movie news or in the movie space um so yeah i, I absolutely see what you're saying um so I know, like, we've been talking about, like, a lot of things that, I mean, and again, it's obvious I don't love this movie, I don't hate this movie at all, um, but there are, like, some things that I, I thought were really silly, um, and some things that I, I, I still liked, so um, I just want to go through some things that, like, first the silly things, and then the things I liked, and just see what your thoughts are on them. Um, I love that. Okay, here's, here's the thing that, out of everything in the movie, I, I was the only person at the theater. When this happened, I, I literally went, ha, huh, out loud. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was really awkward, and I just kind of did it, and I didn't mean to. Um, Solo's name. Oh, when, God have mercy! <laughs> when, I, yeah, yes. That moment. Yes. That moment. I couldn't believe that is the laziest form of writing. Um, oh my oh, goodness! Solo. <laughs> so, I I actually say that in my house now. I actually because it it like was like so like are you guys for real right now? Like it was so basic, so 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 basic. So I agree with you on that one. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I mean, like here's the thing, it's it's silly, and like even if you know it's silly, look, that that's one of those things that feels to me like a Lord and Miller kind of. They, maybe they were kind of they could have saved that, maybe somehow made a joke of it. But but it is it is just such it's just such a lazy way of doing the name thing. We've seen stuff like that a million times. Here's the thing, you you don't want to like like deal with so like even if they knew like we didn't really want to do this or whatever I and mean, we know it's silly but he had to get his name somehow no he didn't just call him han solo no one's gonna question it right from the get-go no one would have questioned yeah, that no ever. one would have questioned it it's just you can it's just his name just let it be his name just like how han is his name like you don't need to you don't need to have that moment it's just oh god it was cringeworthy to be completely honest man like i didn't even realize that he didn't have a last name until they mentioned it right there like yeah. i i like, do you, there's actually no point in the film where, I mean, like leading up to that, that kind of says that yo, this guy like needs a, this guy needs a, a last name because he doesn't have one right now. There's like no nothing saying that that had to happen. Yeah, like, I mean, I it, dude, it's it. You know what? I actually just realized even just with you saying this, yeah. it literally is just to even like we talked about this. Like, it's exhausting how they almost hammer it over your head. This was just a, a again hammering the fact that like this guy is like all by himself, like you know, like he's yeah. alone. Yeah, it's even in his name. Yeah, it's alone. even in his name. Yeah, and it's like it's one of those things where that was implied. We knew that in the original series. We <laughs> we get why his name is Solo. It's very on the nose. Star Wars names aren't subtle. They're uh, not. They're <laughs> not at all. They're, they're not. Yeah, they're really. There's a character in Star Wars named Porkins. Okay, these are. <laughs> Insidious. Yeah, that is the most evil freaking name ever. Like, <laughs> oh my god! Like, you're not a good guy. You are without a doubt a bad guy when your name is Darth Sidious. Don't yeah. play yourself. Yeah. Like, oh, anyways, that was the moment that I cringed the most. Oh, yeah. So, oh my god. Okay, I need to hear more of this list. That was great. That yeah, was right I, on the. I, I couldn't. I couldn't handle that one. Um. 
so the uh, I, I can't even remember her name. It, it doesn't really matter. But that worm creature at the beginning. Oh, um, Lady Proxima. Okay, yeah, right. So also, haven't hasn't the word, hasn't the name Proxima been in something else recently? I swear, Proxima. I always think of like Proxima Nova. I feel like I think that that's. Uh, I feel like that's a Marvel thing. Oh my god! It, yeah, now, yeah, maybe that's where I'm thinking of it from. Um, but anyway, so like. Some of that stuff I don't mind. I like the practical effects and stuff. But the the whole part where he's about to like ex- escape, and he does the grab a rock and you know does the click, and she goes, "No, you didn't do this. You just made a clicking sound with your mouth." I thought that was another like a joke we've heard a million times. Wasn't that exciting? But also, you know how that scene could have been made like way better is just have that Lady Proxima worm thing. Just have her speak in an alien voice, the one of those crazy typical Star Wars alien voices, and then do the subtitles. Because, yes. boy, did it, it it took me out of it that she just spoke, like, English and seemed so very, um, like, current day, you know, with her speech. I, I actually think that that's one of the first few times that we've been introduced to a Star Wars villain that's uh, alien-based, and they have spoken English. Yeah. Like, it, it, it just kind of rattled me a little bit. Um, Again, this is them, like, I feel like this is them, like, making the film more, I, and I don't agree with it. I don't think it's a good thing, because I still think children enjoy movies, should in, it be shown movies that make them think, but this is something to make it easier for children to digest, you know? Yeah. I, I, it, again, I don't think it's a good thing, because, like... Man, like I even for my kid, man, my kid's seven, and like there's like there's certain like there's certain films like that I like I try to show him like and like I try to also like I always try to like pull back the layers on it for him to like understand because like that's good for them to be engaged like that, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Definitely. Uh. So so the next thing um is the um. The little, like, the group of thieves that Solo ends up teaming up with, with uh, Woody Harrelson. Um, and Dandy? That leads the crack. Yeah, like, so her and uh, John Favreau's character. Uh, like, we, just, it just bothers me. It just drives me nuts when you have characters just to kill them. Just to show, but, well, I felt, that's what, that's what I didn't, that's the only thing I didn't like about L3, was that, like, I was like, yo, dude, like, she just showed up just to be, like, put into the fucking ship. Like, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. Oh my god! That's, that's, like, and it, yeah, it goes into that thing like we were talking about earlier, like the larger thing that everything is here to serve Solo. Like somehow it has to be connected to like the something that we already know about Han Solo. Very specific purpose. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't actually expand the story. Yeah, like as soon as the monkey, whatever monkey alien thing he is, the John Favreau's character, as soon as he said like, "Oh, I'm the pilot," I'm like, "Yeah, he's gonna die." Yeah. <laughs> because because Han Solo has to fly, right? And the movie wants to show you Han Solo flying because he keeps talking about, I'm the best pilot in the galaxy. Why do you want to be a best pilot? We don't know that. That would have been interesting. But all we know is he wants to fly and he's the best pilot. You um, know, you know when I had that moment, like, hardcore, when uh, Woody Harrelson said, remember when he gets shot? And he's like, I'm all right. And Woody Harrelson's like, no, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes back. I swear to God, I said it at the exact fucking same time as Woody Harrelson. I was like, no, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> he's dead. Like, let's be real here. This guy's dead and Hansel is going to be flying the ship now, right? So, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and as the other part of it, too, is like, you know, uh, Woody Harrelson's character, like, t- uh, two of his 
close friends die, die and one of them was even his lover and he has uh, one about you know a couple seconds where he screams no very movie classic movie style and then it, that's it then that's it anyway yeah he punches hand too because he's yeah, mad, yeah. Right? And, but and that, but, but I don't even know if he's mad about the coaxial. Yeah, like, exactly. Even that, I thought he was going to have his moment there because he's looking at the little graves he made them. And I thought it was like, oh, you're going to be like, you, you got my you know, partners killed or whatever. No, it was more about the, the shipment that they, they failed to steal. Those um, characters, well, Woody Harrelson's character is just like completely flawed in my eyes. He makes absolutely no sense. He, he, really, he really doesn't. Um, I, a lot of the like the twists in this movie, a lot of like some of them don't make. They just don't. I don't. I don't know why they exist. They seem very like forced, very contrived. Just to make just to make Han do uh, just to make Han become Han. Yeah. Yep. Just like everything else. Yep. Exactly. Um, so yeah. Uh, what else? Um, uh, I already mentioned Paul Bettany. Um, not that like I like Paul Bettany as an actor, but yeah, that character was virtually nothing. Um, yeah, Paul. Paul, if you hear this, because honestly, uh, Josh, on top of everything, I messed that interview up as well. I told him that his uh, character in this movie, because I like you, had no idea he was even in the movie up until that point. Oh yeah, I, I, I misconstrued something he said, and I thought he said that his character was completely CG in the movie. And when I made a comment, I made a, I made a reference to that. He in my interview question with him, he's like, oh, "But I'm, I'm not CG," and he points to the poster of himself right behind me, where I could have turned and looked and saw for my damn self that yeah, Paul Bettany is not a CG character. He is uh, <laughs> definitely himself there. Um, Paul, he, you are a great actor, but dude, this script just did not serve you well. It didn't serve a lot of you guys well at all. No, he looked cool though. He looked, he looked cool as hell. Yeah. I fucking love that the um, the makeup work on him. Mm-hmm. I loved all the makeup work in that movie. Like it was everything on a technical level. That movie was like banging. It was banging. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, let's use that to like transition a little bit into the things that my like more liked. Um, and there's one that's like kind of like I sort of like but didn't like. So this was like something you brought up earlier. Um, the game of Sabak, where Han goes to play uh, Lando for the first time. Yep. So I like that scene for the most part. Um, I like that Lando is a cheater. I like that um, that's how he wins and that the scene, that they have that little scene of like basically like poker, whatever game it's supposed to be in, uh, in our world. Um, I thought that was cool. The, the two things I didn't like were one, for when Han first walks in, he's like, can I play basically? And they all just have like a, a moment where it's like a, <gasps> like a gas moment. Why are you acting that way? Nobody, knows, <laughs> nobody knows who he is. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't, I was like, why this just is, and it, that's it fed into that, that idea again, that this movie really wants to push the legacy of Han Solo, but it doesn't make sense in the moment. Um, it, it just, it bothered me. Uh, and then after the game, which Han loses because yep. uh, Lando cheats, but um, that that I just on a note of that, yeah. I did like because remember, like all we really know about that Sabak game is that in, in general the game of Sabak is that what ends up happening is that that's how Lando gets the gets the Millennium Falcon from Lando. So you kind of assume in that first match, actually, especially with how simple the script had, had been operating at that level. Yeah. I mean, at that point, that yeah. This is the game of Sabacc where he's going to get the... Yeah, so, so that's the thing. It's like, I like the fact that he cheats and he actually doesn't win. But, but it's pointless because right after that scene, they get the Falcon. 
Yep, the Iron Falcon anyways. So really that scene holds no weight, um, which that drives me nuts because for the most part I like the scene. It just, it just... It, it's just a, it's a head fake. It's yeah. just a giant head fake. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I like that uh, basketball reference there. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, what else? Um, the other thing. So yeah, I like another thing that I liked, but had a th- part that I didn't. Like we mentioned earlier, I liked the Darth Maul reveal because it was uh, one of the only things I didn't see coming. What what drove me nuts, which I and I understand why, but for absolutely no reason, he sits there and then force brings the lightsaber to himself and he turns on his double-sided lightsaber for absolutely no reason and then he turns it off again and the point is to show fans who think that's that's darth maul just to like yeah, confirm it right yeah. right so like not not you know another guy that looks like him no this is darth maul he's got the saber but but you know in the moment again in the diegesis of the film that that's a whole that's pointless why is he doing that he's on you a hologram they- you know they could have even done, man, and it, like they could have thought about this a little bit more because they've actually done this with that uh, that moth character, that moth character uh, from uh, from the episodes right now, the new ones. Yeah. Um, they remember they had a conversation with her, and she's fully in battle. She's in battle. She's like in the middle of fighting people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's let like why couldn't she just think about it a little bit? Okay. Kira's calling her to tell him something important. So obviously it's not something that's planned. It's not like he's waiting there to hear from her, right? He could just like, it could literally just be her calling him, him in the middle of something. And that could be a good way for us to actually be able to still see the lightsaber, right? And have it actually make sense. Because you know what, man? You're so on the ball about that. There's no reason for that. And it's more of like this very very basic storytelling this um like hey guys this this is who this guy is and in case you're not sure the hairy is like hands waving in the air right so yeah um yeah you're yeah you're totally right um the so the kessel run uh i like the kessel run as an action scene for the most part although i think it's hilarious that like somebody at disney has a squid fetish <laughs> because <laughs> Because there's been squids now in, in these new movies. In Marvel movies. Yeah. What's going on with the squid thing, man? Like, so there's a squid in this movie. There's a squid in Rogue, Rogue One, that one that, like, drains your memory or whatever. And then yes. there's the, the squid thing on that was on uh, attacking Han Solo in Force Awakens. Oh, shit. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Dude. So, like, the only one that hasn't had squids is Last Jedi, I think. Oh man, everybody hated that, dude. They should have brought the squids back, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put the squids in, it'll make it everyone 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. There we go. There on that audience score as well cuz remember that's the one that counts to everybody, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so like um but yeah, as an action scene, I actually liked it. What did you think of the Castle Run? I loved every moment that they were actually and like every action scene in the spaceship, I actually thoroughly enjoyed. It was those are the moments when like everything on a technical level kind of just took over, and I could just like, you know, you just turn off. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could just like enjoy it. Like that's there's literally nothing else to really do. Enjoy it if they do a good job of it, or just whatever. And I think they did uh, an excellent job in the action sequences, um, and it really helps you kind of like pull through that last act. Obviously, because mm-hmm. like, or like, sorry, like pull into the final act, right? Because like that kind of actually does lead us into the final act of the film. And to be completely honest, like, I mean, 
plot wise, nothing's really happening. So you don't like to be honest, like you don't really care up until the castle run is happening. And then you're like and then you're so energized by it that you can get through the rest of the movie. So the place where it like shows up is also perfect. And it is, if anything, actually, now that you're making me think about it, man, it could be one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. Next to the next to the train, I I also I also did love that train that train. Yeah, sequence. the train robbery I, is good. It's yeah, and it looks really awesome. Looks um, awesome. Yeah. I agree, man. I agree. Yeah, I I like both those two. I like like you're saying, like a lot of the action sequences in this movie are really well done. Um, the uh, Han and Chewie first meeting, I actually like this scene quite a bit. Um, I the one thing I thought was a little silly was. Han actually speaking Wookiee or whatever. You, you, th- you thought that was uh, I I, I kind of like that. I, I like that. A I like that. Like I like that he understood him. I just didn't feel like it was necessary for him to actually speak Wookiee since he's never had to before. Just because Chewbacca understands English. Well, the, see the oh, da, yeah, you're you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. It, right. it just felt like we need to show that Han Solo can speak the language. Like, I, I think that was honestly also just so like uh, Han could. I think I I read it as Han trying to like connect with him in some way, shape, or form, like yeah, sure. trying to say like, hey, like, like I'm not like some ignorant fucking like space pirate <laughs> here, like I <laughs> like I could sp- I could speak to you, right, and like speak badly. I actually also love the fact that he didn't speak good Wookie. He spoke terrible, yeah. terrible Wookie. Like it was bro, it was like broken English. It was broken. Yeah. Um, the I love that fact, but. I, I, yeah, I just I saw that as like him trying to like connect with him, but no, dude. Like I also do because you're right. Like yeah, Chewbacca can understand English, so it's always like a, it's like why? Yeah, it's a little, uh, it's just it's a little nitpicky of me, but like because other because otherwise, like I really like that scene. Um, I think it, I think it works. Um, it's interesting. One of the things I learned about uh, like Star Wars from like the extended stuff that they don't talk about in this movie, but that kind of makes more sense when when you think about that scene where uh, Chewbacca goes to help his like uh, his brethren, the other Wookies he finds, yeah, like basically being tased, and then they're like, "Oh, is is Chewbacca going to come back to help you?" And Han's like, "I have no idea. He's he's got his own thing to do." And then of course, like two minutes later, he comes back. He shows up. Right. Um, apparently, if you save a Wookiee's life, they have like a, a life debt to you. So. That's why Chewbacca initially stays with Han Solo is because he has this life debt. Um, and then they do become really good friends. But that would make more sense if you knew that, why he would leave the, his own tribe that he just saved to come back and help Han. Um, because even to this point, yeah, they've gone through some stuff, but like they're, they're both the kind of, uh, supposed to be both kind of characters that they're, they're trying to... Deserters. Yeah, like they're, yeah, they're the deserters. Theme. They're out for their own betterment, you know. Um, yeah, but other than that, I like that scene. Um, it was, it was pretty well done. It was, it, I, I did, I enjoyed it as well. It was, um, I remember when I heard the words of the beast, I wasn't initially thinking like Chewbacca, obviously when I yeah. saw the feet immediately, I was like, oh yeah, that's Chewie. But yeah. like when I heard the beast at first, no, I was thinking, you know, we've seen so many of these, like, oh, oh well we've seen kind of seen like even the garbage monster, like we still never technically seen this thing. We've only seen its te- tentacles. Yeah. Um, the, but yeah, we've 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 had so many beast characters, like these unknown like dangers, and I thought that this thing was just going to be another one of them. But like, I I was pleasantly surprised to see Chewbacca. <laughs> yeah, same. 
Um, yeah, okay. So the last thing that I liked was uh, the Han shot first moment when when he kills um, Her- uh, Woody Harrelson's character. At the end? Yeah, at the end. Um, Agreed. I think, they, I think like the way this movie was going, I almost would have been not surprised if they had made a Han shot first joke, which I think would have totally ruined it. Uh, but they didn't. And this was what I wanted more of, was more of just Solo being Solo without the movie having to be like, ah, ah see what we did? And um, I, I really liked that because, you know, there was that, there's the whole, like, the backstory to the Han shot first, which is the, the original film, Han shoots the, that alien in the, uh, in the cantina, and then George Lucas changed it in his uh, revamped version so that that alien actually shot first, and then Han shoots him so it's not to look as bad. And then the fan outcry became like a basically like a hashtag of Han shot first. And now this movie confirmed that that's you know that's Han Solo's character. That's the kind of guy he is. He's a scoundrel. He's an antihero. He will kill um, people if it serves it serves his purpose. And he does. He doesn't he doesn't let Woody Harrelson's character go through this whole you know his final speech kind of thing. He just shoots him. Um, he ends it. And it was very reminiscent to me, even of like you know all these connections with uh, other Harrison Ford movies, but with Indiana Jones when Indy shoots the the crazy like martial artist guy. Um, yes. And and Indiana Jones just looks at him. He's like, I don't have time for this, and he just shoots him. Um, that's the kind of that's the kind of characters that that's how Harrison Ford played these characters, and I I like that that's the direction they went here, and then they didn't need to push in your face. He just did it because that's who Han Solo is. I really like that scene. It was one of my favorites as well in the in the film, um, especially in that ending, because the ending was uh, like obviously plot wise there was a lot happening and it was all kind of cool and everything. But at the same time, especially on my second watch, I was I was kind of ready for the movie to end. Mm-hmm. Um, but that scene does like it takes you. It's it's kind of it's a heart. It even tugs at the heart a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it does. Uh, Woody Harrelson dies the worst though. Like oh my god, like. <laughs> Dude, it was like it's like the worst. Like, uh, 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 like he really hams it up. <laughs> but, but aside from that, no, I, I really do love that scene. Yeah, um, agreed. Uh, so yeah, uh, I've uh, held you here pretty long. Um, I'm. I have one more thing to ask because I always like to ask these questions uh, when I have someone on this podcast since it's called Writers Write, and I like to talk about the writing process at least a little bit. Um, and I know. Uh, you're not always necessarily in uh, doing the writing stuff, but I, I like reading your reviews because you always have insightful things to say about movies. Um, Thank you, man. And when, so when you do write reviews, like, uh, do you, because this is interesting to me too, because, like, do you have a um, thought process about, like, who you're writing for kind of thing? Like, are you writing to be like instructive or are you writing to be, to do it in sort of a creative manner? Are you doing it um, just to, just to kind of like collect your own thoughts maybe? Like, like how's that process go for you? When I approach like specifically reviews, when I'm approaching a review, when I'm writing one, um, I always kind of keep in mind that like, I'm lucky in the sense that like, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not just like a guy who's doing this and like, you know, he's out of film school or something again, like he's kind of just like been learning about film on paper or reading about film and watching film. Like I also try to keep in mind that like I've been creating like as well. And I always just try to like, I try to take that part of me and I always try to like put it into, 
into the words that I write for my reviews because I kind of feel that that allows me, especially like as a director to almost like explain to people like, Hey, these are some of these things about these films that you might not even be taking into consideration while you're watching it. But like you should, you know, and I also try to write it in a way that at least that like, you know, everybody could kind of like come to it, not just specifically like, you know, film heads or like, you know, not just people who love comic book movies or something. Like I try to make it like a little bit for like everybody. And that's so everyone could kind of walk away from it and like learn something, you know? Cause like, I don't know, movie reviews sometimes like I, I, I've, I wrote something a long time ago that uh, like a review is essentially like in a, an elevated opinion, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I, and you, you, you take it, you, you really have to like watch who, like, I mean, I, I, I might not love all the same movies you love, Josh, right? Like we might not always click on every single movie. So like, you might not be like something that I would walk away and say like, Hey, like this is a four star movie for me. You might walk away and say it's a two star and then vice versa. Right. And it, it really just depends on like on taste a lot of the times. Right. Um, but there is some things just in regards to like making a film and things that you got to do to like, you know, bring whatever idea you're trying to get across across. And I also try to like keep that in mind and like bring that to the table for people to also see. Cause like, yeah, there's no denying that some movies are just bad movies because even on a technical level, they're just so poorly done that, yeah, you can't argue that this is a bad movie. But there are, are also movies that are done excellently but could borderline be a bad movie. And we kind of, like, discussed one of them today, like, you know, with the a couple more wrong steps and, like, Solo could have been a bad movie. Like, just not even, like, not even a question, just, like, like is Solo a bad movie or is it all right? No, it could have just been, like, a bad movie like if the plot really like if that heist element of it was completely negate that movie would have been a bad movie you would have had nothing there to care about you know what i mean uh, i i always try to keep like i try to keep these elements like involved and also just really try to think about what i think right because the nice thing about reviews is that you watch you wa- you really do have to watch a film and like really like really take it in like you can't look away it's not like about like don't like you you have to just get lost for a bit and then come back and then think about like hey what did this do to me and it's it's a gift in a fact in a sense right i think it's like it's lucky sometimes that we're allowed that we're able to do that right like sit back and like just think like what did i really think about this right because like not a lot of people get a time get a a chance to really think about why they really like something right and we get to (laughs) we get to sit there and just and think about it for a hot second and then let people know why they should or why they shouldn't go and watch something so like you know i i try i try to like i just try to take those balls specifically and just juggle them you know what i mean like well as i write and always try to like ping back ping back to like who like you know is this enough that like everybody can read is am i being like too like preachy in regards to like you know thing like am i am i forcing like opinions down like people's throats am i like is this approachable it pretty much is what i always try to do right and approachable and educational because like i feel like that's our job as writers i don't care if you're writing like a review if you're writing a sports story if you're writing a screenplay you in some way shape or form you do try to educate like you know people you should try to educate people like even if it's just showing them like you know your way of life that's an education you know what i mean that's something that's them learning something so 
I think it's our responsibility as writers to always try to do that every time, even in something as simple as a review. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all that stuff. Um, writing reviews is always such an interesting process. Um, Andrew Hamilton, you can read uh, all of his stuff on Scene Creek, his reviews there, and uh, his interview with Paul Bettany's on there as well. Um, and uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to you wanna plug before we go? Uh, no, I just, yeah, man, like, uh, well, Josh's, uh, Josh's stuff is also there on Scene Creek as well, so make sure you guys check it out as well, and, uh, yeah, like, uh, definitely check out all the stuff that's kind of going on on Scene Creek, and if you do love films, another thing you guys should check out is, uh, this website called Letterboxd, which I kind of, like, fell in love with last year, it's a whole bunch of, uh, people who love film, and they love talking about movies that they love, and they love talking about movies that they hate. It's the greatest. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I have some, um, now that the NBA season's uh, winding down a bit, I, I'm going to have some more uh, of my own stuff coming on uh, Scene Creek. Um, I think I'm going to doing, a, I'm finally going to write my uh, Pixar list before Incredibles hey. 2. And uh, yeah, and then uh, something maybe... Oh, speak, speaking of that, yeah, I, I actually, uh, I got a chance to uh, check out Incredibles 2. Oh, really? So, yeah, oh, and wow. just yesterday, actually. And uh, can you give me a can you give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down kind of thing? I can I can give you a I can give you a yeah the, the uh, I'm 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 not I don't have bad things in my head right now. That's okay. that's that that's what oh, I'll say. Okay. That's, I feel like that's pretty safe to to say. That's yeah. pretty safe. But like it, it it definitely leaves a good taste in your mouth without okay, a doubt. Good. That that relieves me a lot cuz uh, I'm, 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 I'm a big fan of the uh, original. Of the original? Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so okay, so other than that, uh, you you can find uh this podcast, the Writers Write podcast on bumpers.fm or the Bumpers app if you have it. Um you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Writers Write Pod where links to the episodes will be posted and then uh, a link as well to uh, my guest's article. Um until then, you can follow me at Havolution on Twitter, and you can find my own online work at Raptors Republic. Um, do check out, I did put out uh, a player review for DeMar DeRozan's season today. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have mixed opinions on that. I, I, I looked at it from the perspective of DeRozan being a tragic hero. Um, it, was, it was something. Um, he, he, he is, man. He is. He, he is. That's, he, he, Josh is on the ball with that one, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it was... One heck of a season. Um, and then, yeah, I'm occasionally on B-Ball Breakdown and, of course, Scene Creep. Uh, other than that, uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next time.